This is the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where you will learn how to tear down the mental barriers to success and health and build up a stronger you. In these podcasts, Dr. Tim Murphy offers you the tools for recovery and surviving and thriving after trauma. There is a pathway to healing, and he does this through faith and psychology. Dr. Tim Murphy, bringing healing to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Welcome to the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where we combine mental health and faith to build a better you. A father asked me about his 16-year-old son who was demanding to be treated like an adult and free to make his own decisions. The dad tried to give his son responsibility, but he kept messing up. Despite his best efforts, he did not think his son was mature enough. It's frustrating. It's familiar, right? This dad isn't alone. I've heard that from parents of kids in high school through college age. Parents have reason to worry in a world where social media, targeted advertising, and peers have an ever-increasing influence on our kids' lives. Youth are bombarded with messages about drugs and alcohol, gender, fashion, careers, spending, physical appearance, fads, and instant gratification. In the meantime, TV shows depict parents as bumbling idiots, especially fathers. And there is a constant drumbeat message for kids to trust your heart. It's better they learn to trust their thinking. But this needs to be taught. Being either too permissive or too strict during the teen years does not allow a child to develop the skills they will need to function as a thinking adult. They need to learn to delay gratification, handle stress, and not be ruled by emotions. The first step in understanding adolescence is knowing they are not miniature adults. They have a lot of emotional, mental, and physical growth ahead of them. Think of this. Here is something no one has ever said about their own childhood, especially if they're teen years. Ready? It goes like this. If I knew then what I know now, I would have done everything exactly the same way. Well, that's because every one of us can look back on those years wishing we could have a do-over or maybe lots of them. Perhaps it's the test you didn't study for, maybe that awkward date, the bad breakup, the place you wish you never went. The time or times you caved into peer pressure, that impulsive choice, that argument you had with your parents, that picture you posted on social media, that time you bullied another kid or that time you were bullied. Maybe it was a bad decision that got you in a little bit of trouble, or maybe it was life-changing big trouble, or maybe you never got caught. That was a relief, right? It's that secret embarrassment you really want to forget. It's that past you never want to show up on your resume. It's the memory you never want someone to bring up at a class reunion. Hey, remember the time when you... Yuck. You may have had some inkling at the moment that it wasn't a good choice, but lacking the willpower and not really thinking through the consequences, you chose to do it anyway. Oh, it seemed so small at the time, but it's living in your memory. And in today's world, it's far more likely that whatever you did, there may be some record that regrettably shows up years from now. So, how do we help youth not make the same dumb mistakes we made? How do you teach them how to make mature decisions? Understand that adults and youth view the world differently. According to Gallup, less than half of parents feel optimistic their children will have a better future than their own. Less than half while 80% of teens say they are optimistic about their own future, according to an ACT poll. That's the American College testing polling. 
Why the big difference? Because youth and adults have different levels of biological maturity in their brains that impacts their ability to really process the long-term consequences of decisions. We know that children and teens still have a lot of growing up to do. That's why there are many laws setting a minimum age for important life decisions. For example, you need to be over 21 to purchase liquor in every state. Over the age of majority is 18 where you are considered an adult in the eyes of the law, such as signing a contract, getting a credit card, buying a gun, and being held legally responsible as an adult for your actions. Or you must be over 18 to vote and serve in the military without parental consent. You must be over 18 in most states to get married. In three U.S. states, it's even higher. 19 in Alabama and Nebraska, 21. R-rated movie theater admission is restricted under age 17. In many states, you need to be at least 16 to get a restricted driver's license. Most states require teens to stay in school until at least 16, and in nine states until age 17, and in 14 states plus the District of Columbia until 18. The age of consent is 16 years of age. And the Surgeon General recently said, this is Dr. Vivek Murthy, he warned that children under the age of 13 should not be using social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. He said this, the skewed and often distorted environment of social media often does a disservice to many of these children. Yeah, it can be harmful to their developing self-worth and their relationships. Although some may consider age requirements unnecessarily restrictive, Look, they're there for a good reason. Some kids do mature faster than others, of course. However, science demonstrates vast differences in the developing brain and the intellectual skills and the emotional maturity between children, adolescents, and adults. And we need to pay attention to these. You want your child to think more maturely, and you may get really frustrated that despite your teaching, he or she keeps making mistakes To understand why, let's talk about the role of the maturing brain. Remember, all intellectual, reasoning, attention, and emotional development are located in our brain. We have most of our adult brain cells by childhood, around age six, but the trillion connections between those cells keeps changing as we are aging. Think of it as a building that looks fairly complete on the outside, but is still undergoing a lot of remodeling and rewiring inside. During childhood, Brain cells are making and breaking connections at a high speed. In the transition from adolescence through adulthood, the tree-like branches of brain cells undergo a lot more pruning of the connections between cells. Learning and experience influences what is pruned and what is strengthened. Basically, it's like this. Cells that fire together, wire together. Unused connections for memory and problem solving are pruned away, while the used connections are strengthened. Now, there's a benefit to this pruning. As one ages, the pruning of unnecessary connections improves our ability to concentrate on a single problem or to develop more logical thinking and gain emotional control. The ability to score high on school tests generally peaks during late adolescence and early adulthood, but test questions are not real-life logical questions. I've seen articles about youth that get this important fact very wrong by saying the adolescent brain is fully developed. It is not. The capacity to develop good judgment is heavily influenced by the growth and changes in brain cells still to come. Listen to these facts. Adolescent and adult judgment styles use different parts of their brains. Adults think more with a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. That's the front of your brain, just above your eyes. 
It's the seat of more rational reasoning, but most important, it's where we control our impulses and modulate emotions. Our prefrontal cortex responds to challenging life situations with more careful attention to the long-term consequences of our decisions. The connections between the prefrontal cortex and the rest of the brain are not fully developed until about age 25. Up until that time, other parts have a greater influence on our emotional and social interactions. Teens, on the other hand, are governed more by the parts of the brain called the limbic system. This is the emotional center of our brain and why teens are more likely influenced by feelings and impulses with less regard for potential long-term consequences. They are more sensitive to the reactions of others in social situations and can be moody and focus more on current body image as a measure of their self-esteem rather than think ahead about their long-term maturation. One particularly important part of the teen's limbic system is a small section called the amygdala. It's about the size of the top section of your thumb. The amygdala is the classic fight-or-flight section of the brain designed to protect us from harm. But pubertal hormones can have a powerful influence on the amygdala, triggering strong reactions to stress with sometimes panic or even anxiety attacks. Now, neurotransmitter levels, those are the chemical links between brain cells, neurotransmitter levels include chemicals like dopamine and serotonin, and they are fluctuating in the teen years, making the brains more emotionally sensitive to rewards, having less predictable reactions, and being more vulnerable for risk-taking behaviors. Lawrence Steinberg, an expert on adolescent behavior, likens this to driving a car with a powerful engine before the brakes are fully installed. Now, recognizing these difficulties as adolescents transition into adulthood, many colleges now teach courses about interpersonal relationships, understanding their emotions, and improving stress management skills. If kids were fully emotionally formed by 18, those classes would not be needed. Let's talk about adolescent emotions and mental illness. The COVID lockdown gave us clear evidence of the emotional vulnerability of our youth. Blocked from face-to-face social interactions with peers and adults, prohibited from participating in sports, in school, or even going outside, the impact on youth was pervasive and undeniable. The prevalence of depression and anxiety symptoms during COVID-19 doubled compared with pre-pandemic estimates, especially in older adolescents and in girls. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among adolescents and young adults, and the second leading cause of death for younger adolescents who are 10 to 14 years of age. Suicide rates rose during the initial part of the pandemic, but rose even more when children were permitted to return to school with restrictions. Some speculated this was because of the negative social impact of bullying once they returned to social interactions at school, but others concluded it reflected difficulties in readjusting to the pressure of the school setting and the decline in academic achievement in children already struggling with anxiety and depression. Underdeveloped decision-making skills also impacts the number one cause of death for teens, accidents. And over 70% of these accidents are motor vehicle accidents. 44% of all motor vehicle accidents are teen drivers. Ages 16 to 19 is the most likely age group to have an auto accident. The fatal crash rate for 16 to 19-year-olds is nearly three times the rate for drivers ages 20 and over, with the risk being the highest for ages 16 to 17, and the highest rate 
of drunk driving accidents occur between ages 20 to 24, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Here's another area. Medical decision-making. Being very concerned with their changing physical appearance and body image, emotions play a big role in medical decisions for teens. Teens may seem able to make rational choices because they can describe how to take care of their health pretty well in a non-emotional situation. Add emotions such as worry about rejection, anxiety, and depression, especially in group situations, and the teen is more prone to make risky decisions. Concerns for their physical appearance contributes to eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia. Stress, depression, and trauma may contribute to overeating and overly strict dieting. Assuming they are indestructible, they often abuse alcohol or drugs. Girls and women ages 15 to 19 have the highest unplanned pregnancy rates. Children may be less likely to follow through on taking medication or daily testing like is needed for diabetes if they fear drawing attention to themselves as sick or flawed. And yet, there are groups who believe children should be able to make permanent decisions about their bodies when they are still young. It's a confusing world for adults, but know that it's a confusing world for youth as well. They want guidance, they want to know the rules, and they want adults in their life who both give and deserve respect. So, to help your teens learn and grow, here are some recommendations. One, talk. Start the conversation without prejudging. Kids need honest guidance from responsible adults. This does not mean we dictate to them exactly what they should do, especially through their teen years. Ask. Don't interrogate. If you want to know what your teen is thinking, ask them. They just might tell you. Number two, teach kids to think it through. If they don't know how to think through a tough choice, this is where you give them honest information. Teach them to run through a checklist like this. What is your goal? What do you hope to achieve? What is your plan? How are you going to do it? What do you expect to happen? What is socially appropriate to do? What are the likely consequences? And what are the unlikely but possible consequences? And what are the consequences you want to avoid? And what can you do to avoid the risk of bad consequences? How do you control or suppress your urges? And how do you think you will view this problem years from now? Number three, get advice for yourself. Parents who did not get guidance from their own parents may be less confident on how to do this, so ask for advice from other trusted adults about the best way to approach your kids. This builds your confidence for conversation, because if you're afraid to talk, they will be afraid to talk. Number four, encourage them to think, not just feel. We need to stop telling children to trust their gut or what does your heart tell you? They need to think. Number five, compassion can go a long way. Understand that adolescents have very big feelings, but little understanding of how to process them. Number six, when kids are making a bad decision, this is what parents are for. If they are headed towards danger, don't ignore it. Instead, demonstrate the maturity in you where they don't have it in them. Sometimes you have to be the no that they are incapable of saying to themselves. A couple thousand years ago, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 26.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, then even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Number seven, be patient and never give up. 
Pray for patience and wisdom from both you and your child. These are issues that have perplexed adults for thousands of years. You weren't the first and you won't be the last. Growing up is a lifelong process. Think of this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I grew up, I put the ways of childhood beyond me. That's from 1 Corinthians 13. So keep working at it. Pray for them and pray for yourself. Number eight, never run away from your responsibility with the excuse, I did that when I was younger and I turned out okay. And marijuana and alcohol use probably top that list. First of all, some may disagree that you turned out okay. And second, you cannot control all the other variables in their lives. You may have chosen to limit what you did because you knew other adults were telling you to stop. Or maybe you were hit with some bad consequences. And if you made big mistakes, share them with your kids. Kids are often keenly aware when parents have made mistakes, even when those mistakes are unspoken family secrets. It's really okay to tell them, if I knew then what I know now, I would have chosen a very different path. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future podcasts, please send them to me through my website, drtimmurphy.com. You can find more information about healing from trauma in my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. I look forward to speaking with you next time.